podcast with Evan Claude. Thank you, Key Apparel, for sponsoring this episode. Introducing Key for Business, your company's one-stop shop for uniform solutions, custom-branded apparel, marketing gear, and our exclusive employee purchasing program. From the field to the office, Key for Business has the apparel your company needs to get the job done. And with our in-house embellishment team, buying apparel for your employees has never been easier. Find out more at keyapparel.com. So everybody, welcome back. We are doing our, what is it called, fourth? It's our fourth, number four, Quattro, Quattro Mungo, ready to roll. This is crazy, <laughs> I didn't think we make it this far. I know. <laughs> so today we are calling this episode, How to Turn a Calf into a Cow, because it's honestly a pretty quick process. It only takes about two years to turn a calf into a cow. Yeah, that is pretty crazy, and... Can I just put a disclaimer out there that when I found out that not all, like when I was younger and I found out that not everything that looks like a cow is a cow, I was mind blown. What do you mean? It's because a heifer is not a cow. Oh, right, right. So yeah, we'll right, go over right. all the terminology because like Claudia, other people might be confused about that. And <laughs> well, I know. Even I was kind of like, wow, there's so many names for all the, even right, like the right. word bovine. Like that, I think that's terrible. Like it just the list goes on. It does. Yeah. So we're gonna get all into that later. But first, we're gonna start off by talking about our weeks, like we always do, because Claudia and I we like text all week, and like we're we usually know like what we're up to. But with me not being home, and it's just different. So, Claude, tell me about your week. My week. So I don't think we did a. Well, I finished my graduation, so I had like the oh. whole thing with my what was. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, <laughs> I thought you were like okay. Um, so I did like a car parade with my friends. It was a lot of fun. Just been having like graduation parties every night, and it's a lot of fun. Um, we did a little more bar renovation this week, and literally we're so close to being done. Like I can see the end. We redid the cooler on the outside and everything. Like, we're ready to rock. And today, I edited. I am started editing my fifth vlog of the day. Typically, vlogs take about six hours for me to edit. And I have done almost five today. So, that's a lot. Yeah, and I was going until, like, two yesterday. Like, two in the morning. And then I woke up at seven, and I just started grinding all over again. So... Yeah, so, like, what I like to tell people is, you see, like, a little bit of what we do on Instagram, but if you go on YouTube, you can see, like, what our whole day is like. Yeah. Yeah, YouTube is where it's at. Um, like, we totally document, like, our entire lives over there, mm-hmm. especially in the recent days, I would say. What did you do this week? Well, uh, you probably know this by now. Obviously, you know it, but people listening probably know it. Um, I went and visited Darigal Fitness, or... Her other name, her real her name. Other name. <laughs> Emily Shaw. Um, so she is from Florida. Um, she was originally from Pennsylvania, so pretty close to us. And she moved down here, I think it was like seven years ago now. I don't know. Oh, wow. Probably wrong. Yeah, so she I didn't know this, but when she first moved down here, she was living with Ruben. Um, kind of like off the parlor, like and her, Ruben uh, is her 
boyfriend. Ruben is her boyfriend, yeah. They're living, like, off the parlor, like, in an apartment. By That's the just their whole life story. No, I just thought that was crazy. Because <laughs> okay. she never talks about that. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, she spent, like, a lot of time on her boyfriend's farm. And then they moved to Florida. And then, so they come back up to Ruben's parents' farm, like, a lot. So it was a good meeting point. Like, it was a two-and-a-half-hour drive for us and, like, a three-hour drive for them. So I met up with her in... Wait, 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 wait. wait. What? You went to his farm. Uh Uh-huh. But that's not where he usually works? No, so I was confused about that, too. Oh. So he used to work there, obviously. He grew up on it. But then when he moved to Florida, he manages, like, this humongo dairy farm down there. Oh, got it. Yeah, so, I mean, apparently, like, he wants to go back to the home farm, like, one day, and that'd be awesome if I was still living down here, because they'd be even closer. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so I went to their farm. I, the first day, we went down there Saturday afternoon. We spent, like, the day on their boat, and that was really fun. And then we went out to dinner. And then the next day, I got, like, a full tour of their farm. It was just, like, crazy to see how different it is from New York farms. And, like, the biggest difference, I would say, is everything is just open. Right. Yeah. So, like, down here, like, it gets to sub-temperatures. So, we have to have, like... Wait, is that a real term? I think so, like, sub-zero. Sub-temperatures? I don't know, I guess. Negative temperatures, whatever. But, um... Cold. It's cold <laughs> up in New York. So, down there, or up in New York, like, there's obviously walls on all the barns, and we have curtains that we can roll down in the summer, but in the south, all the dairy barns, they or the one that I went to, didn't have any walls on it, so it's just, like, amazing. Like, the wind is just blowing through. There's sprinklers everywhere. Yeah, just, like, cool. whole... Yeah, it was, like, a whole open plan, and then... Even the parlor, there was no walls on it. So that was just really cool. So, yeah, I did that. Um, I also, before that trip, I stepped on a nest of ground bees and I got stung like five times. So my foot blew. Barefoot? Walking barefoot with all the snakes down there? I would not. I was not even barefoot. I was in my Birkenstocks. And I stepped on a nest of ground bees and they all attacked me. That's gross. Yeah, and then... Basically, other than that, I've been planning out New York Farm Girl stuff. Um, a lot of you guys, like, we never, Claudia and I never expected, like, this to become such a big thing. So, a lot of our, <laughs> we were like, nobody would ever want to follow us, but let's do this anyways. So, a lot of our, my time goes into, like, planning out things like this podcast, like, posts for the week. Like, they're not, like, artificial posts. Like, I only post when things come to me and, like, I really want to talk about them. Mm-hmm. But, like... Claudia and I like pushing stuff out there because, like, I think you guys, like, about our lives, so. Yeah, well, yeah, I had a whole conversation with um, Dad the other day, or yesterday, and he was saying, he I, and I was like, what would my life look like if we had not started all of this? Probably and for, I, no, I was just like, I wonder how much different it would be, and then I was like, oh, it probably wouldn't be that much different, then I was thinking about it, and, like, it really he's like yeah you'd have a lot more time on your hands like you would and I was like I don't even know when I'd he's he said I'd probably be playing basketball still like I would probably be a totally different person than what I am right now yeah and we wouldn't know as many people right of course and 
And then he's like, yeah, you'd probably still have a pretty private life. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> but yeah, not saying I'm not like, I am very, I'm so happy with how everything has turned out. So mm-hmm. I did want to ask like how like your graduation went. Cause like some people that are out of school, like maybe won't think about this, but like, even when I saw like what your graduation was like, it was just weird. It was kind of weird. So I don't know if I talked to, did I talk about it last episode? No, you didn't, like, go in depth because you talked about how you're graduating, but oh, not okay. what happened. So, basically, like, we went to the school, and we had, like, a designated time time slot of, like, five minutes. <laughs> so, you walk in, and JoJo got on stage with me because you can pick someone to give you your diploma if you want. It doesn't have to be your principal. So I had JoJo stand on one side and I stood on the other and then like they just like read my name off and I think like where I'm going to school and just like, I don't know, like shook my principal's hand and JoJo gave me my diploma, we got a picture and left and then a couple days later we had did like a little car parade of my whole grade and like the whole town was like on the sidewalks, which was kind of fun actually. And then we went to the school, and they did, like, these kind of cute, actually, um, speeches. They were pretty short, and it was, like, started raining, but whatever. Didn't really care. And then, like, I just spent the day with my friends, and it was a pretty good time. Turned the castles on the... It was in the... On the turf. Oh, gotcha. But, like, when you graduated, there was no one in the auditorium, right? No, no one in the auditorium. Just for my family. That's kind of eerie. Kind of weird, but also I I seriously would take that over three hours of sitting there. That's true. And <laughs> we're out in five minutes. Yeah, and then you pretty much partied all week because you had graduation parties. Yeah, a lot of graduation parties. Like literally, besides Thanksgiving, graduation season is my favorite food. What? Yeah, like I love Thanksgiving, and then like I love like pasta salad and macaroni. Oh my god. It's the best. I, that's a very interesting thought. So if, any, <laughs> I know. if any of you guys agree with that statement, graduation food is just one of the top. It's, it's so good because it's like catered, but then like, I don't know, like buffet style kills me. I love it. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. So the meat of this episode. The <laughs> turkey. <laughs> Um, Claudia and I are going to go into the whole process of what happens right when a cough, a a cough, a cough, a a cough is born. A cough, you know. (laughs) Right, what happens when a calf is born and how we raise it into those big hefty cows we have at the farm. Let's just go right from the beginning. I mean, let's talk about right when that calf is ready to pop out um i worked in maternity for a whole summer and it was an amazing experience like i'll always say that because i kind of wish i was still doing it even though it was really stressful so when a calf is about to pop out the animal that's holding it the mother cow is in the pre-fresh pen and so um that calf is just waiting to come out and cows are pregnant for nine months out of the year just like humans and so 
basically my job at the farm I worked at last summer, yeah, last summer, I had to walk around the prefresh barn every hour to see if any of them were about to calve. And that was, like, a really stressful job for me because I've never done that before. Like, I learned about it in school, but it's totally different when you go to actually do it. And so I would walk around the barn every hour. Sometimes I would do it every half hour because I'd be so paranoid. (laughs) Every one minute. Yeah, let me just go check one more time. (laughs) Literally, I would do that. And um, because they had a pretty good amount of cows there, so they would have around, like, seven calves a day usually. So I would walk around the prefresh, and I would look for a few things. So the first thing would be, like, obviously, are any of these cows acting weird? And, like, you can just tell when a cow is just off. Like, after I did it for a while, I was like, okay, there's, she's just being weird, not being herself. So let's bring her up to the maternity pen. Um, so that's, like, one that I learned all the time is just looking at their behaviors. And then if their tail is raised, that's a really telltale sign that she's about to calve. Um, sometimes if there's milk coming out of her udders, like, that's not always the case. But sometimes if she has, like, milk leaking from her. And then if she has, like, a good amount of discharge coming out of her, then I also would bring her up. So, yeah, that was, like, the signs. Like, if I saw that, I would I would stand them up. Or, of course, if a calf was coming out of them and I saw the legs coming out, that was usually how it happened because I was a noob. <laughs> <laughs> so I would get them up and I would bring them up to the maternity pen. Um... And then in the maternity pen, it was super quiet. There was a bunch of fans up there, fresh shavings so that they would have, like, a nice, calm place. So Because when a cow is stressed, like, that is when problems happen and she won't push the calf out. So we would try to bring them to, like, a place where they could be alone and just it would be really quiet. And we would do our best not to walk out in that area so that they wouldn't be stressed out by seeing us. And we would just have, like, a window we would look out at them. So the cow would go up there and then we would wait for her to calve. So that would usually happen within within the hour, hopefully. Sometimes I'd bring them up and they wouldn't calve for like three days and I would look like a failure, but whatever. Mm. <laughs> and, but I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I've been there four months before. <laughs> Literally, sometimes I'd have to bring them back down because I would bring them up way too early. No. So we bring them up and then they start calving. And that was like the best part. Um, they would have contractions just like humans do, and they push the calf out. Um, a lot of the times we would go and assist them, but when we assist them, we would have to be very careful, quietly walk up behind them, make sure they can't see us, because we don't like to have them, like, standing up when they give birth, just so the calf doesn't have, like, a hard fall into the ground. Mm -hmm. It's okay if that happens, but, like, we just try to make that not happen, so we would, like, literally, like, crawl up (laughs) Because cows have a flight zone, mm-hmm. um, and like just like humans, I'm pretty sure. I do at least. Yeah, I'm like get away from me. <laughs> no, what is, it, what is it called? The flight zone? Is it a blind zone? Blind spots, yeah. Like, yeah. If you go like right behind a cow, they can't see. Mm-hmm. So yeah, then I would. So the way that they're supposed to be born is like Superman style. So their front legs will be coming out first, and then their head, and then the rest of their body. And, um, so then I would just pull out their legs if, like, the mom was taking too long. I know, like, a lot of farms let it happen naturally, but that's just the way we were taught on that farm. It's just help them out. A lot of them would just 
squirt them out and it would be fine. <laughs> but um, that was how they were born. And then right when they were born, I would clear out the mucus from, or all the afterbirth and all that, off of their faces, off of their ears, off of their nose, so they could breathe easy. If they weren't breathing good, I would tickle their nose with a piece of straw to get them breathing better. And then the mom, we would let them lick them off for like half hour. So just to reiterate here, when a mom licks her licks her baby off, the mom has a really scratchy tongue, and it is because the babies need to be stimulated when they're born. Yes. Get the blood flowing. Get the blood flowing, get the lungs bumping, we're ready to roll. Yes. And then I wanted to say one story of a major fail that I had. So you obviously know I was stressed out checking pre-fresh. I was my first summer doing it, and... I swear to God, the heifers are so easy to tell when they're going to calf. They're, like, crazy. Like, their bags are huge, like, exploding. And, like, they're just ready to pop. And, like, they're just being weirdos when they're about to calf. But the cows that have calved, like, a few times before, they, like, know the drill. Mm -hmm. So, I swear, I'd walk by these cows, and they would suck the baby back into them. (laughs) (laughs) It would happen. Because one time... I walked past, I did my rounds, and then I, I came back not even a half hour later, probably less than a half hour, and there were twin Angus on the ground. And so you just, like, put them in your truck and left because you were, you knew you were such a failure and you had to go home. <laughs> I wanted to cry. Because <laughs> how do I miss twins? Yeah, really. Coming out. Like, oh my god, that was so embarrassing. But yeah, when... If they're ever born in pre-fresh, it's a really, it's like a sin, so, because they get manure on them. You sinner. Yeah, so that's what happens first off when they're born. The mom licks them off, and then we are going to do, like, a whole episode on, like, debunking, like, the myths, so. Of course. One of our favorite topics to cover. Yes. So we do separate them, like, within an hour after they're born. And they go into the calf barn. And Claudia, do you want to like go over how our farm takes care of them in the calf barn? I might be a little rusty on this, but I can definitely try my best. Okay. I don't even know when I... It must be at least two months now that I have not fed calves, which is crazy to me. But anyways, I did feed calves for eight years, so I you know, have some knowledge. <laughs> Uh, when the calf comes out, obviously, if it is in the winter, and it's kept in a really warm room until they're completely dry. If it's in the summer, they're brought right down to the calf barn. And we automatically, right after they're born, dip their navels with iodine so that they are, um, so they are resistant to infection. Because Yeah, because if you didn't, the bacteria would just squirm right up in there. Yep, and then you look like you have a big hernia. <laughs> hernia for those who don't know our lingo. <laughs> right, sorry, the lingo. The hernia lingo. Oh <laughs> um, yeah. I am a hernia survivor if anyone yeah. um yeah. It's so. a hard day still like when we have <laughs> sensitive topic. It really is. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> after they are dipped, is what we call it, um, we make their colostrum and we definitely try to feed it to them within the first half hour to I would say hour and a half like we 
we're pretty good about it actually. So we mix up a classroom for heifer calves. We feed them. It's called CCT. Not really sure what the full name of it is, but that's what we call it. And it is a powdered colostrum. We don't use the raw colostrum on their first feeding. Um, this is just really consistent, and we always know that we have it, so we're not, like, stressing about if the mom's going to give enough good stuff. Oh, wait, did we not describe colostrum? Yeah, you can describe colostrum. So colostrum is the first milk that comes out of a cow, and it has, like, all of the goodies in it, all of the nutrients. It's pretty thick. Compared to regular milk, like, I don't think you'd want to drink colostrum. Um, it's kind of yellowy, and it's just, like, um, liquid gold is what we call it. So, yeah, it's just great for the calf. It's full of those awesome antibodies that the calf needs to start building its immune system with. Yeah, so then um, sometimes we do... So, for heifers, we give them Enforce 3, which is a nasal vaccination, and... Then we give them a uh, tri-shield. No, that's after. Um, Enforce 3 first and multi-min. Mm-hmm. And multi-min is a sub-Q shot that is full of vitamins. But I don't think we do multi-min. Oh, yes, we do. So we do multi-min, and then we feed them three quarts of colostrum. And after they get their colostrum, they then get tri-shield which is like a paste that we put in their mouth it's blue it's made by first defense um calf health and we've been really liking it we replaced that with first defense pills uh we never did that until probably a year ago we started and we really like the tri-shield and and what it smells like blueberries oh my gosh it smells so good i've tried it before does not taste good. <laughs> well, not good. Um, so that's that. And if the calf doesn't drink her colostrum, we obviously tube it to them, which pretty much is just this long tube that you put down the um, the side of their mouth and it goes down their throat, like pretty much right into their stomach so that they don't have to do any work to drink it. If they're not hungry when they first come out, they do need to get the colostrum still. So we just feed it to them that way. Um, then we dip it again. And we mark their head with a calf crayon. And the calf crayon just, symbol, like, it's a symbol for our farm that um, it has received its colostrum and that no one else needs to worry about giving its colostrum. For bull calves, we give them um, Immustart, and that is a different kind of colostrum. It's, we give them two packages of that. Um, and we give them multi-min and it's just one cc of multi-min which is a sub q and then we give them uh first defense pill instead of the tri-shield and we've used first defense pills like ever since i think we started right yeah they're, they're, really, an they're so important yeah and then we mark those and dip them and then we write it all down in the book we're very communicative as every really i've every farmer is like really good about that um, yeah, it's really important. Writing everything down. And yeah, it's important for all the employees to be on the same page for every calf. Yep. And then, okay. of course, you name them and tag them. <laughs> yeah, so then after, so we got the calf born, we got the calf fed. She's now starting her life in the calf barn. Um, I mean, every farm does it different for us. We do individual pens and we bed with straw. And, um, well, the home farm does. And then... What's the motto for the straw? 
if you wouldn't lay it in yourself, lay in it yourself, then why would that calf want to? And we, yeah, so we bed, um, usually it's two times a day, but in the summer, it's usually once a day at night. And we bed them really, really heavy. Like if they see any wet spots up at the farm, like people get so triggered. Like yeah. we, we bed them pretty well. Um, and we did use sawdust for a couple of years, but it's just a lot more convenient to use straw since our farm makes straw and not sawdust. So. Mm-hmm. So you might be wondering, like, what happened to the cow? Like, does she just go to, I don't even know where. (laughs) So after the calf is born, the cow is taken in to a chute. And we, at least this is what we did at Oakwood. Um, She gets bovacalc, which helps to get her calcium levels up. Because when she starts producing milk, it's going to draw a lot of calcium out of her. So you give her that. It's like a big pill, like... I don't even know. It's like half a foot long, but for cows, obviously the proportions are different. And then um, you put a band on her leg. I know at on the home farm we put, um, I think it was a what color band? Like a red band? Oh uh, well, there was purple ones and yeah. So we put a band on to like show everyone that it's a fresh cow. At Oakwood, they put monitors on that would monitor their steps and all that. And then an oxytocin shot, which will help get it, their milk flowing if if they need it. Um, I know, like, at Oakwood, there was, like, protocols for each cow if they would need an oxytocin shot or not. But then after the cow is done calving, like, and they do all that, they go into the fresh pen, and they get monitored a lot. So the cow and the calf are well taken care of um, right away. So then this calf... It's our time to shine. We got to raise this calf. Um, Now the calf will be with us for two months in the calf barn. And like Claudia said, she'll be bedded every day. She'll get milk every day. Um, We do pasteurized milk from the milk taxi. And what? Two times per day, one at six in the morning, one at five at night. Yep. And then they get free choice grain and water every day. And that happens for two months. And we try to up the feeding as she gets older and then when she comes in new weaning time we like kind of take some milk away to help her transition better and we wean the calves at two months old i know jojo said it was a little different now they just switched it yeah because they're trying to have a slower weaning process so that the calves aren't like in as much like withdrawal yeah stress i think they said 80 I think I said 10 weeks, Jojo, so. Oh, uh, yeah, probably. So, yeah. Then, once they have been with us, and we have been growing them like crazy when they're little babies, um, at around two months old, we start to wean them, which means, weaning means uh, not giving them milk anymore. We do it in a slow transition. So, like Claudia said, we give them milk um, at night, and then in the morning, they wouldn't get milk, so... It's like a slow transition off of milk, and then once they're completely off of milk, they go into the group pens in the other barn. So, Claudia, do you want to talk about that? So, yep, we move the calves over to the group pens, and there they have um, three other friends. So we have groups of four. We used to do five, but it is we found it to be so much more beneficial and easier to keep up with we don't like when you have five calves in there there's a lot more bedding to do and it gets a lot more wet so we've been doing four calves in each pen and they they get a lot more grain each day 
they eat a lot more. Um, sometimes we throw a little hay in there, but uh, doesn't that's not that's not very consistent. So yeah. then they have they have a tub of water each day. What the hay we put because we use we used to use non textured grain. Then they switch. Yeah, I think they did. But the hay was to start growing those papillae and the rumen because that will be very necessary for when they start growing up and are on TMR. So that was what the hay was for to start roughing that yeah, up. Yeah, getting used to them. So then they are, they're pretty noisy the first couple of days. They're like, what's going on? Uh, they, then they get used to it. They adjust and then they're in there for, oh man, like a month. Yeah. I would say a month. And they make friends, they socialize, they learn not to suck on each other, like just to chill out. And um, if we didn't do that, I think that when they get up to like, when they were three months old and they were in group housing, I think that it would not go well. Yeah, because then they wouldn't know how to socialize at all. I'd be like, uh, hey. Uh. Hey, how's that navel tape? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yeah, Uh-oh. and we don't want them sucking on navels because, as we said earlier, having a sterile navel is very important. Yeah, or that we don't want them sucking on each other's teats because that can cause to mastitis problems in the future. Right. All right, so, yeah, they're in there for about a month, like Claudia said, and then on our farm specifically, we decided to send them to our um, heifer growing facility. It's about three hours away in... What's it called again? Touch the knee. Elba. Elba? Elba. Elba, New York. The heifers go up there for about a year and a half, I would say. And basically at Elba, they it's just like we would grow them on the farm. They're young heifers, and they take care of them up there. They put them on different feeding programs, and then they breed them right before they come back to the farm. And then the... They come back to the farm, like, almost two years later, and it's kind of sad. It's like, some of them don't remember me. <laughs> you know, true. But, like I was, I talked about it when I post, like, our favorite cows remember us. Yes, I think they do, and sometimes they, like, they're friendly, and when, you know a cow remembers you when they, like, don't back off, or they, yeah. like, they're too friendly. <laughs> yeah, like with Ray, like headbutted yeah. me. But yeah, so they come back to our farm, bred, and we put them into the dry cow barn. And the dry cow barn means that they're not giving milk. All the cows go in there that aren't giving milk, but they're pregnant and about to have a calf. So, Claudia, do you want to explain what our dry cow barn is like? Our dry cow barn has two sides, obviously, like, you know, any barn does. And one side is very large. It holds, oh, man, 100? Yeah. 100 cows. And it has um, an outside, an outdoor barnyard. So the barnyard just is like this pad of concrete, and they're able to go out there, have fun outside. Um, And then they can go inside as well, obviously. Then that is the... Far away dry. Can I call it that? Yeah, far off. Far dry. <laughs> and the other side is a close-up dry. So the close-up dry is connected more accessibly to the parlor so that we can move 
the cows, um, when they get closer to calving, they are able to kind of just head up to the barn when we notice that they are showing signs that they're about to calve, and we can push them right up the alley, and then they go right into the maternity pen. Mm -hmm. And then once they get into maternity, it's just like what we were talking about before. We watch them really carefully. And once they're ready, which usually we only move them up there if they're really close, they have their calf. And then just like all the other ones, they the calf gets moved on the calf barn. And then her calf goes through the same process that she did. And then the cow, since we're still talking. Oh, my gosh. What? I just realized that I literally just edited a YouTube video of the life cycle of a cow. Wow. So that will be posted tomorrow. Sweet. Well, so that'll be a big day for a life cycle video. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, okay. yeah. So that cow, they just had her calf. She goes into the fresh group. And like we were talking about before, like she's going to be closely monitored, taken care of. If she has any problems, she'll be doctored. And then that cow is going to be into the milking herd. And she's going to give milk for around 305 days. And in that time, she's going to be moved into different groups. We have, like, our high-producing groups, low-producing groups. Yeah, so 60 days after calving, she's going to be bred um, around there. Like, it's never, like, exactly 60 days. And then, so she's going to be pregnant, and she's going to be giving milk. And hopefully she's go- she'll catch and get pregnant. That's always the thing. Yeah, then once they are done giving milk after that 305 days... They're going to be dried off. So what we mean by getting dried off, you don't actually go and take a towel and dry them off. <laughs> I actually texted Mousy yesterday. I'm like, what do you guys use to dry the cows off? Because I forgot the name of it. And she's like, towels. Oh. <laughs> so I forgot to ask her again. Like, uh, I actually want the answer. I'm pretty sure it's but, called tomorrow. Yeah. It's, there's a, it's like a paste that we put... To shoot up into her teeth, it doesn't go that far up. It's just like a way to block bacteria from getting in there. And then when I worked at Oakwood over the summer, they would put like this, I forgot the exact name, but it was like a blue goo that when it dried, it would like put like a hard shell on the outside of it. So that would really help to keep the... Well... Um, Yes, I've actually been confused about that, too. Like, how do they just stop? I mean, like, I know that they don't produce as much when they get to their end of their lactation period, but they don't just stop. Like, even if you put that up there. Yeah, no, I remember, like, some, every cow that came into the parlor, we would check to see if they're still, like, giving milk a lot, and if they were, we would just not dry them off. Mm -hmm. And I heard Mousy saying, like, we were using a different color, um, and I think it maybe is tomorrow, like, the same thing. But, so, when they are coming back from their dry period and, like, they're starting to, like, give milk again and after they had a baby, and they went to go, like, strip the milk out of them, you can see the blue stuff come out. And that's how you know that they are dried off properly. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, so, then we dry them off, and... Drying them off basically just gets their teeth ready for just being on their little vacation. Like, we don't want them to get mastitis while they're in the dry cow pen. So, 
after they're dried off, they go right back down to the dry cow pen for their two-month vacation where they're going to not be giving milk. They're just going to be hanging out, pretty much doing nothing, and just living off of their uh, paychecks and uh, eating food and doing literally nothing. Like a lot of living off their paychecks? Like everyone else is right now. No. Living off their gov paychecks. We're pretty much the government for them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, interesting way to look at it. Yeah, literally they're just freeloaders in that time. Right. Got it. But, um, yeah, that's basically what it is. And since they've been bred already, they head up in that dry calf run and they hang out there and until their next calf. And, hot, like, it's just this whole, it's a cycle. And they keep doing that cycle for their whole life. And so a question that we get a lot is how many ca- calves do our cows usually have before they're taken out of a herd? And I would say around five to six. Would you say the same? Yep, I would definitely say. And then, so, like, we get a lot of comments from vegans, like, okay, they're in this vicious cycle of just doing that their whole lives. But in reality, it's not a vicious cycle. It's they're happy cows, and they would not be producing milk for us if they were not happy and healthy. So what are some other things, Claude, that we do to make sure that these cows are comfortable and healthy? Um, uh, any period or right after? Yeah, like all the time. Well, we clean out their stalls, um, so their stalls don't have like a lot of poop in it because obviously cows poop a lot, and sometimes they poop where they sleep, so those are cleaned out all the time. Um, barns are scraped, so they're not walking around in their own poop. They and they won't get like foot rot and all of that type of deal. They walk through foot baths. Um. They are obviously bedded. We use sand for bedding, as we said earlier. And that is, they're bedded all, like, what is it? Is it twice a day? And um, they, we just actually put, we are working on putting in a new fan system right now at the home farm. So that is really exciting because we like our our cows to be nice and cool. So, yes. And we also have a nutritionist. These cows have their own nutritionist that makes sure they have the perfect diets. I wish I had my own nutritionist. And then we have like a certified artificial insemination technician. So we don't use bulls to breed. We do it ourselves. And so we have our cousin is actually trained in artificial insemination. So he is able to do it the correct way. So these cows are... They're not in pain with it when they get bred. And then we also have a hoof trimmer, so they literally get pedicures, too, just like humans do. And we also have our staff in the parlor trained to have a very calm experience when they come in and get milk. So these cows are treated very nicely on, I would say, 99% of all dairy farms. It's pretty much the same. So, yeah, that's basically how you turn a calf into a cow. It's pretty, it's a quick process, but they stick around on our farm for a while, and we have a couple of cows that are going up to 10 years old, and then, yeah. Yep, and a lot of, like, if you consider the lifespan of a cow, and people think that it's totally different in nature, but fact of the matter is, as a cow would not do very well in nature, would you agree? Yeah, I think they would get shredded by coyotes. <laughs> Me too. So, 
Are we on to questions of the week? We are on to questions of the week. I came to that point. No, you can start first. Okay, so my first question is, will you ever, will you ever have guests on the podcast? And Barbara? <laughs> yeah, Sonny. I think we should have guests on the podcast. Oh, me too. And I'm actually already planning on next week. I really want to have one of our family members on. Um, I, in the future, I would love to have Joss Peters on. Oh my God. You just got me so excited. That would be a blast. Can we just do that next week, please? <laughs> like, I definitely want her to be like our first. I think, no, guest. can we make her our first guest? Fine. I'm just thinking. Okay. <laughs> we'll chug through. We'll try to get her on because she'd be really fun. But we definitely that would be my favorite guest of all time. Yes. So, so if you guys don't know who that actually will, I guess we can <laughs> introduce her when she comes. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to have guests. No question about it. No question about it. Not like we're implying anything that we really want Jess Peters on our um, podcast, but yeah, we, Jess, we really want you on our podcast. If you're listening to this, hit us up. Yeah, we'll give you our address here. Yeah, so we want guests, no doubt about it, so be ready for some awesome people on here. Claude, what is your question of the week? My question of the week would be, I just like to start beef on this podcast, I think. You love it. I do. So if you read my question earlier, it is, how have you noticed social media being used as a platform to make farmers work better together? So, first I'll start with the positives because I'm a glass half full kind of gal. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, I would say there are many new groups and organizations I feel like um, within the farming community that have like came together and totally changed the agricultural world for farmers. Like I'm talking about like DMI mm-hmm. and like people are protecting farmers against activists and they're working their butts off. We're creating jobs for people promoting agriculture. Like it has been such a great thing. But on the other hand, we've also had many haters, um, from our page and a lot of haters saying like we can't be bringing this attention to agriculture like it's not helping it's making it worse like we have so many vegans and activists that are attacking us and we have our address on there like and they're just going to come to our farm and torch it down and local people too have like made comments about it but fact of the matter is if we're not speaking up someone else will and we have always stuck to that and not like back down because of other farmers kind of not liking what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's just what I wanted to say. Yeah. Well, overall, I feel like as a whole, we've been working better together. Like, all oh, yeah. yep. like just like feeling like, like we're there for each other. It's been mm-hmm. awesome. Like without this, I would have never met Jess or Becca or Hera. The whole, the whole nine, nine yards, yards. and I love seeing how other people farm different, and oh, you know, it just makes a tear to my eye. <laughs> okay, my question is one that gets asked all the time, 
Because I feel like it's different for every family farm, but a lot of people ask us, like, do we get paid for working on our family farm? And I know, like, it, for many, like, it's just expected that you work on the farm and, like, you don't get paid. But for us, like, we've always gotten paid, like, not anything, like, crazy because we we're just teenagers at the time, or I was at the time. But, um, yeah, we did get paid, and I feel like it was a really great incentive to, like, do better because, like, every once in a while we would ask for a raise and if we were doing like over the top stuff, we would get the raise. So I yeah. think if someone yeah. do pay their family members. Cause then you have an incentive. Like, I feel like if I was not, I definitely would have had to get another job. And because it's not like I can drive my truck for free, you know, and like things like that. And I have a shopping addiction. So I think that I do need to get paid. But also, like, sometimes I am okay with, like, not clocking in or something because, like, I'm filming a YouTube video. And that's just, like, how I do it. But, mm-hmm. and that's just how it goes. But, yeah, I, that is a very asked question. It's not like we're going to say how much we make or whatever. But it is also, it's very different on each farm for sure. Oops. Biggest mistake I've made on the farm. And after sifting through my list of mistakes I've made on our farm, I think I picked my favorite one. Well, you know, like, the mistakes that you make and you just start, like, profusely, like, sweating and you're by yourself and, like, it's, like, you, (laughs) you, like, don't want to call dad. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had a lot, like, a lot of those moments. Like, definitely more than you. Because (laughs) I, like, run equipment and, like, Obviously, I'm not a trained mechanic, so I obviously break things a lot, but I think my worst one, mm, mm, well, yeah, maybe my worst one was when I cut the neighbor's hayfield. Oof. But I've heard after, like, being on TikTok that it's a very normal thing to do, because really, how how are you supposed to know? Like, Evelyn, would you ever know which hayfields are ours? You suck. Okay, cool. <laughs> Bye, guys. Have a great day. <laughs> no, I actually wouldn't. I would be way clueless. I'd be yeah, like, hey, right, right. choppy, choppy. Right. <laughs> Dump, cut, cut, here, there. No, but um, to this day, they have not said anything about it. And I didn't cut the whole thing. It was just, like, one pass. So, But it was, like, they were also, like, chopping hay that day. And they were, like, all the trucks drive by. And it was just really embarrassing. Yikes. Oh, yeah, I will never live that down. I, it was actually, like, oh, it might have been last year or two years ago. So, guess I can't really, like, play the young card on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was so young, guys. Stop. That was your biggest mistake? Um, Definitely one of them. Yeah. I don't know what else. Uh, oh, no. Well, yes. No, I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah. Okay. I don't know myself looks like too much of an idiot, so. Okay. Well, that was really good. I liked your questions you picked. Oh, yeah, yeah. It did take a lot of time to pick them. Yeah, every week, Claudia forgets to pick questions. She, <laughs> forgets, she forgets about the whole podcast. I, I, yeah, I do forget about it, and it's kind of, I'm, I will remember next week, especially if Jess Peters is here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will be preparing for weeks for that. <laughs> she better listen to this. I know. <laughs> yeah, so that is our podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed, like, I know a lot of you dairy farmers, like, you know how to turn a calf into a cow, but that's just how we do it, and it's different for everyone. So, yeah, I like learning from everyone. Hope you guys learned a little bit from us today. 
Um, we're going to be posting this every Thursday. So make sure you're listening in. Tell your friends. Tell your fam- family. Tell your grandpappy. Tell everyone because we really want to make this podcast a big thing and reach people, not just farmers. We want to reach anyone we can. Um, That's really, I think, the biggest goal. Yeah. For me. Um, yeah, so, like, check us out. YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Anyway, reach out to us. Tell us what you thought about the podcast. We would love to hear about it. And thank you so much for listening to our voices. Peace out, girl scouts. I love you all. XOXO. Peace out, girl scouts. That's what you're saying. (laughs) My line. (laughs) Yeah, see you guys.